You're listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church, a relevant biblical community. For more information, visit houstonsfirst.org. And if you got your Bible, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12 is where we're going to be. We're talking about being living connected. And as you're turning there, I want to say a couple things. One, I went yesterday and saw the Jesus Revolution movie, and it is awesome, and you should go see it. So if you're looking for a movie to watch on your little list of watching movies, that is a great one. It's really well done, and I would encourage you to go see that. Secondly, it was great, Sienna Campus, to be with you last week, which was a joy, and Matt Carter did a great job here in our church at the Loop Campus, which was a blessing as well. We're jumping in, talking about living connected in Romans chapter 12, and there's a key verse, and I'm going to show it to you, verse 4 and 5, and then I'm going to jump into the message. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. What he's getting at, what we're going to see in this, is that God has gifted each of us. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you have a spiritual gift in you, probably a couple of them even. And that those gifts work together like sprockets and gears coming together. He uses the illustration of the hand and the foot and the mouth and the the arm and the fingers and all these, the eyes, the ears of the body of Christ that we need one another in that. Now, I don't know much about cars. I'll just admit it right now. Here's what I know about cars. You put the gas in here, you start it here, you touch these pedals and you do this. That's what I know about So I don't know all these things that are interworking because you just get in and it just happens and it goes. So we got into our car one day and when the family was in the car, we were headed west on I-10. Seems like everything you do is on I-10. So we headed west on I-10 to go see Kelly's family in the San Antonio area. And as we're cruising along, everything's great. We're going 70, 75, not a mile over the speed limit, just perfectly. Or maybe it was, I'm not sure, I can't remember. But we're in the 70s somewhere, and all of a sudden, the dashboard just goes crazy. All these, I mean, just everything, and the steering doesn't feel right, and the car starts doing this sort of thing. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I know enough to do this. I am exiting on the next exit. So we exit. We pull into a truck stop that's there. We sit there. I decide, well, you know what? Let's do this. Let's just turn the car off, and let's turn it back on. That's what you do with a computer, right? When it doesn't work, just reboot it. So we tried that. Well, that didn't work either. So I got on the phone. Thankfully, we uh, had a church member, connections, all this sort of thing. Well, I end up on the phone with the guy that's one of the uh, mechanic, head mechanic things at the dealership. And I'm telling him about this. And he's like, I think it's a transmission. So transmission's gone out. I said, well, we're like an hour and a half from home. What should we do? So here's what you can do. Maybe the transmission's going to click back in and it'll get to the right level. And if you get it to like 50, 60, 70, you just don't stop till you pull into like your driveway on two wheels, okay? So we, okay, so we go, parking lot wasn't really big enough to test it, we're in a small town, so we're on the feeder now, so I'm like, here we go, I punch it, we're coming up that on-ramp onto I-10, headed back home, headed east, we're at 10 miles an hour, we're at 20 miles an hour, we're at 30 miles an hour, this is going to happen, 40 miles an hour, 41 miles an hour, 42 miles an hour, and it's not going any faster. And at that moment, I just pull over on the shoulder. But do you know what it feels like when a semi-truck goes 80 past you and you're going 40? Oh, and the car just shakes like this. 
And we're driving because we've got to get to the next exit at the next little town. And as we're driving up, we see that there's a bridge over this little creek where now the shoulder is not a full shoulder, it's a half shoulder. So half our car is going to be on I-10 and half our car is going to be on the shoulder. And so I'm timing it in the rear view mirror to punch it up to a solid 43 miles an hour and to go across this bridge without getting hit by somebody from behind. And at that moment, Kelly begins to go, dear Jesus, help us, dear Jesus, help us, dear Jesus, help us. And guys, I'm white knuckled and I'm like, look, Jesus is going to help us, but you are freaking me out right now. You're stressing me out. He's helping us. He's helping us. You're not helping me. And so we go across, we make it across the bridge. We get to the next town. We pull into the next truck stop. We sit there and we're like, what do we do now? And I'll finish the story a little later in the message. The spark plugs were working. The tires were ga are not gassed up. Shows you how much I know. Aired up. The car was gassed up, the radio was fine, everything else seemed to be going well, but this thing called the transmission seems to be something very important to the life of the car. And in this one part, this one part out of maybe 10,000 parts in a car, I don't know, this one part's not working right, so we're not gonna be able to go the speed we need to go. And when Paul's talking about the body of Christ, He's talking about us coming together as many parts in one body. And if we're not connected and if we're not using our spiritual gifts, then the gospel's not gonna go at the speed it needs to go. Because we got somebody over here that they're rocking and rolling. We got somebody over here that they're not. And so what Paul's gonna do here in this section of verses three through eight of Romans 12, he's gonna say, here's some gifts that God may have put in you and let's put them to work for the eternal aspects of the glory of the Lord. So that's where we're going, and I want you to look in verse three. Here's where we go in verse three. It says this, for by the grace given to me. So it's a gift. You didn't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's a gift God's given you. I tell everyone among you, speaking of the church at Rome, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. So the first part of being in the body of Christ is this, humility brings belonging. Humility brings belonging. So he says, I don't want you to think more highly of yourself than you should. Don't get cocky about this. God's gifted you. God's put something in you, but it is a gift from God. So when you walk in, you walk in in humility of a God that saved you and loved you enough to save you, yes, but also to gift you. And that you get to be a part of what he's doing. Does he need us? Absolutely not. Does he invite us? Absolutely, he does. You remember Romans chapter eight, I gave you a 17 letter Greek word, sin, anti, lambano, my, that it means to stand on the other side with power. So to lift a table, you need somebody on the other side. God's on the other side, the Holy Spirit on the other side to help us lift. Does he need us? No, but he includes us. So he says, I want you to be humble. I don't want you to be cocky about this. Carly Simon in the 70s would say, you walked into the party like you were walking onto a yacht. And we can't walk into the church like we're walking onto that. Humility brings belonging. That's a basic part of Christianity. It's to be able to say, the hand can't say to the foot, I have no need of you. I got it all together. We're all together and he begins with humility. The second thing he's gonna do is he's gonna tell us to discover your gifts, discover our gifts. So be humble, that's where it begins. And then next, that you would be able to discover your gifts. Let me show you that in verse six. Here's what it says. 
According to the grace given to us, we have many different gifts. We have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If in exhorting, in exhortation. In giving with generosity. In leading with diligence. In showing mercy with cheerfulness. So he says, discover your gifts. Discover your gifts. And we're going to walk through all seven of these gifts that Paul gives us. Discover your gifts. Do you know your spiritual gifts? Do you understand what God's put in you and how he wants to use you to further his glory, his kingdom, his will, and how he wants to use you? If you don't know your gift, I'm so glad you're here. That's awesome. That's why we're teaching this. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list. There's other lists found, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Really easy to remember, Romans 12, next book of the Bible is 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It gives other gifts in there as well. In Ephesians chapter four, it talks about offices in the church, but there are also some gifting to them to be a pastor and to have a pastoring shepherding, get those sort of things. So we're gonna look at these seven gifts and you're gonna be able to go through and go, okay, I think that might be me. I think that might not be me. You're probably not gonna have them all, but to be able to look through these and see these. Now, let me first tell us what is not a spiritual gift, okay? What's not a spiritual gift? One thing that's not a spiritual gift is a spiritual gift is not a natural talent or ability, okay? It's not a natural talent or ability. Let me give you an illustration like this. Andre Agassi, amazing tennis player. Steffi Groff, an amazing tennis player. They had children. Do you assume that their children might be amazing athletes? I bet so. Well, their son actually is a pitcher for uh, USC on the college baseball team. So got out of tennis, did something different, but I bet he's a great athlete. So I, I bet when you've got somebody that's like, you know, a genius IQ, a genius IQ, probably going to be some gifted and talented classes that are happening, right? Now, that's not a spiritual gift. Now, that gives us all hope, okay? Because you don't have to be Michael Jordan's son to be spiritually gifted, right? What do you do when your parents are short and you end up 5'7"? Okay, it ain't going to work for you, right? You're going to have to work on your sense of humor because you're not playing any varsity sports. That's the way it's going to go. <laughs> but that's a natural talent and ability. Now, of course, those can give you an amazing platform for God to use you, right? It's great. It's amazing. That's, that's no doubt can give you an amazing platform for God to use you. And that's a great thing. So it's not a natural talent or ability. Number two, it's not an acquired talent. It's not an acquired talent. So somebody decides they want to play guitar. And so they pick up a guitar and they start taking guitar lessons and they become really amazing at guitar. And we may say they're gifted with guitar, but that's not a spiritual gift. That's an acquired talent, right? Someone studies and gets really good, that's an acquired talent. Now you put a guitar as an acquired skill in the hands of somebody with the gift of leadership and encouragement by the glory of God, you're gonna get a great worship leader, right? You get somebody with a natural ability that they're very intelligent and they go to school, they go to med school and they see that God is using them as a doctor. Now you got something, don't you, right? But that's not a spiritual gift because not all of us can do that, right? There's certain things of what can happen with that. What are spiritual gifts in? Here's what a spiritual gift is. They are spirit-given and service-driven, okay? Hear that. Spirit-given and service-driven. Serving Christ, serving the church even, and not, I'm, not, I'm using big C church, the kingdom of God. So they're service-driven and they're spirit-given. So now we want to discover when we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior 
and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, how has the Spirit of God gifted us to further His kingdom and to make a difference? And truly, I'm telling you, that's where life is found. It's where life is found. If you just stay on your natural ability, acquired ability, that's well and good and that's awesome. But when you discover why God made you and how God wants to use you for something bigger than your job or your school or your relationships, now you're getting somewhere. So that's why Paul says, look, church at Rome, you got to know these things. So I'm going to take you through seven. It's not an exhaustive list, but I'm going to take you through seven grace gifts, if you will, seven spiritual gifts, okay? And I'm going to tell you the, the kind of the downside of each one as well. I'm going to give you the gift. We're going to define it. And then I'm going to say, be careful, okay, with this gift. Number one, prophecy, prophecy. That's what it, we're just going to go on the list that we've got here in verses six, seven, and eight. Prophecy. If prophecy, use it to the proportion of one's faith. Prophecy was Old Testament predicting. That's what the OT means. OT predicting is now NT, New Testament proclamation, okay? Old Testament predicting is now NT, New Testament proclaiming. So when somebody's got a prophetic gift, they proclaim it. They tell you, and they typically are like, it's black, it's white. They don't have any qualms about it. They're going to tell you what's up and why it's up, okay? So prophecy is not just predicting. That's Old Testament. It's New Testament proclaiming. Why is it switched? Because the prophesied Messiah has come. He's died on a cross. He's rose again. And now we're looking back at these things that have happened to see how God can do them currently in our hearts and lives. So when somebody starts predicting, hey, Jesus is going to come back on December 1st, I will assure you it will not be December 1st. Why? Because I can proclaim to you that no one knows the day or time in which he'll return. So as soon as they say December 1st, you might as well go to Cabo because it ain't happening on that day, right? God's going to switch the day. So proclaiming is because we've already, we know this thing. We're gonna teach the word of God now. We're gonna proclaim the scriptures where the Old Testament prophets were predicting and giving prophecy of the coming Messiah, okay? Now here's what happens though. Proclamation, Billy Graham, proclaimer. He's a prophet. You listen to a Billy Graham sermon, wham, it's gonna go, right? That's a great, wonderful thing. We need that. Now let me give you the downside of it. It's giving a strong and clear declaration, but make sure it's tied to faith, not opinion. Make sure it's tied to faith, not opinion. He said, those who have prophecy, I want you to prophesy in accordance to your faith. So faith, not opinion. Now that's really key because here you go, prophets, I'm just gonna tell you because you're, you're straight shooters. So you're like, give it to us, give it to us, Pastor Greg. Straight shooting, here's the deal. Sometimes your clarity can come down as being condescending, okay? So you gotta be careful because that clarity can feel condescending. Secondly, that clarity of proclamation, you've got to be careful in the relationships that are really close to you. That can be difficult for your husband or your wife to receive all the time. That can be difficult for your kids to receive all the time. When I first, ministry started growing for me and we started getting a staff, um, I had a wise minister say to me, he said, you remember your wife doesn't work for you. You can make decisions all day long, but you don't come home and start firing off decisions all day long. There's a difference in being a leader and being a husband in that realm, right? And it can wound people. So be careful if you've got a prophetic gift that your clarity isn't condescending and your clarity is not wounding to those that are close to you, okay? Number two, serving, serving. What a great gift, serving. Assisting others towards accomplishing. 
There's many of you that you're like, I don't want to be the number one. I don't want to be the one that's, that's getting all the uh, uh, on stage stuff. I don't want to do that. But I want to assist somebody to help them accomplish something. I want to be a helpmate. I want to be an assist. I want to help them to get their job done and to see God work at it. That is amazing. They assist others towards accomplishing. Let me tell you right now, as I'm using my gift of teaching, and I hope you're not like, no, I don't think you got that one, but uh, gift of teaching, there's people right now using the gift of serving or you would not hear my voice. You would not see my face. These points would not be coming up on the screens without a gift of serving to assist in the accomplishing of the gospel and the good news of going forward from this very moment. When you're serving, you've got to look out for the desire to be recognized or to begin feeling minimized. That's the downside. Well, nobody said thank you. Well, nobody cares. I don't think they appreciate me anymore. Remember Mary and Martha? Tell my sister to help me. She's not helping me. She's not appreciating me. So we got to be careful with those serving gifts to not begin to be like Luke chapter 10 of Mary and Martha, where we want the recognition and we want everybody's got to jump in and do the same thing. Serving gifts are amazing gifts, but a lot of times they're behind the scene gifts. So you got to be careful of not wanting that recognition and not feeling minimized in that. Came to our five o'clock service, amazing service. If you ever uh, want to get, get uh, out of town or whatever, or you just decide you want to switch, uh, parking's easier, everything's a little easier. So you can come to five o'clock, it's an awesome service. And so I came in for the five and uh, another staff member was preaching. And so I came in a little bit late and I sat down in the sound booth a couple weeks ago. And so I sat down in a little chair and they were kind of looking at me like, what are you doing in here? And so I got behind the light board and I was like, here we go, let's fire it up and see what happens. Now, you think I don't know much about cars. I know even less about how to run the lights, okay? So I just sat there and took notes and appreciated the service. And then as the, the service or sermon began to end and the worship team was coming back out, I just kind of moved to the side and then everybody got in their positions and they got their headphones on and it was like, uh, Breaker 1-9, we're launching a missile, here we go. And things started moving and things started happening and it was perfect. And I was so appreciative of a gift of serving because I didn't get to see all that they do when all this is happening. Gift of service is wonderful. Number three, a gift of teaching. Teaching is lead and feed. Now, primarily, Paul is talking about teaching the Bible and teaching about God, okay? So leading and feeding is a great thing. That's what teaching is. We're leading, we're feeding, we're giving things to think about. And so we're growing in that aspect. Now, here's the downside. You have to be patient and humble because growth takes time. When you're a teacher, here's what you're going to feel like at points. Didn't we already talk about this? Didn't we already preach on this? Don't y'all remember when I said this? Da, 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 da. Well, Paul says, again, I say rejoice, right? So we repeat things and you have to, as a teacher, you can't get put out and you can't think because you're getting the attention because the class is looking at you. You can't have humility. Remember where we first began with this whole thing? Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. Let not many of you become teachers for you will be held more accountable, it says in James. And so teaching is leading and feeding, yes, at whatever level, but it's also something you gotta be careful that you stay humble and you stay patient because growth takes time in people's lives. Number four, encouragement. Encouragement is being a ray of light in the dark. Isn't that great? Being a ray of light in the dark. Here's the downside of it. Be careful of generalities and insincerities. A ray of light in the dark, but be careful of generalities and insincerities. Let me tell you how it's not gonna work. Walking up to somebody go, you're awesome. It's not gonna go to the soul. You're great. Husbands, 
Your wife comes out, it's time to go, and you go, yeah, you look, you look great. You look beautiful. It's awesome. Let's get in the car. Let's go. Not going to work. Not going to work. You stop in that moment. You go, boy, those earrings, those are amazing. Wow, your hair. What, you think so? Your hair, that outfit, it is, I do not care that we were 10 minutes late. This is amazing what's happening right now. Specific, specific things. Ladies, can I get an amen? Am I preaching your, okay. Now, it's also got to be sincere. You can't be like, your hair looks great. <laughs> Gee, is that a new necklace? Wow, incredible. I love you. <laughs> Not going to work. Got to be sincere. Got to be specific. And when you get sincere and specific from the right person, I tell you, it will change your life, won't it? It'll change your life. It'll touch somebody. I hope you're an encourager. We all, I'll get to it in a minute. We're all encouragers. We all should be, but maybe some of you got a gift of encouragement. I think this is one of my gifts. I think this is one of them. I probably write three to four handwritten notes a week. I send a bunch of texts. I send emails. Yes, yes, yes. But I just think there's a lost art of a handwritten note. We've got a system in my office of I write the note, I put a post-it note on it or who it is, and I hand it to my assistant. She addresses it, stamps it, and goes out the door. We've got a system because I'm, I'm writing notes all the time. I love to be able to do that. And some of you are like, well, you never wrote me a note. Well, it's a big church. You know, I can't do everything, right? <laughs> but I had on my heart to write somebody a note, and I was like, man, I don't, I don't even know that guy that well. I mean, I know him, but not like we hang out, but he's in ministry, not even in our church. He's in a different ministry. I thought, I just need to write him a note. And so I just wrote him a note and I addressed it or I had my assistant address it. We mailed it out. And then I got a thank you note for a thank you note. I got an encouragement note for an encouragement note. You know God's at work at that point. Here's what he said. Greg, thank you for the kind and encouraging note you sent, explanation point. What a surprise and wonderful blessing to receive such a thought, explanation point. The impact it made was truly deep, explanation point. Thank you, underline, underline, explanation point. And he goes on further of things that, you know, I wouldn't want to share publicly, just of him sharing his heart with me. And God using it, do you see that moment? of God using something in somebody else's life. And I'm telling you, there's not a person at your office or at your school or in your neighborhood It isn't just thirsty for encouragement. It's a discouraging world we live in. So when it's in your power to do good, don't withhold it. Don't let it be competitive. Don't let it be cutting. You just, you just encourage. You just become an encourager. But be careful about generalities and insincerities. Number five, giving. Giving, I want to define it as this, mi casa es su casa. Giving. Now we're all to give, but there's some of us that our hearts are giving hearts. We're just like, just, I'd love to give, love to give. I'd rather give and then receive. It's a blessing. Receiving is great as well. First time we ever had college students over to our house, our brand new house. Kelly and I couldn't believe it. We had, had them over, it, wasn't, it, wasn't brand, it was brand new to us. We bought it used, but we had everybody over to our house and we were there and I literally said, I said, man, we're so glad to have y'all over. First time we'd done ministry in our house. So glad to have you over. If there's anything you like, you can just take it. And I really meant it. There's something about a gift of giving that it's not twisting the arm. There's a lot of you that have it in our church. And that's why God's done some amazing things in our church. And those who don't, jump in as well. 
It says, though, I love what he does. He, he's going through this thing, and he said, if prophecy according to the faith, if service, service, that doesn't, you know, okay, uh, same word used, if teaching, teaching, if exhorting, exhorting, but then he gets to giving, says, with giving, generosity, with generosity. So I want you to be generous. Now, here's the deal. Be careful of public praise and personal motives, because we got to give with the right hand. Right hand doesn't know what the left hand's doing, okay? And we can kind of go, look what I did, and... That's not what we should do. Or personal motives. I'm going to give so that this happens. So giving with generosity to be able to give. When you have that gift of giving, letting the Lord just use that, it'll be a blessing to you in such a great way. Such a great way. Now, let me just tell you this. Many times we falsely think, well, I'll have the gift of giving once I'm wealthy. When I'm rich, then I'll have the gift of giving. The gift of giving has nothing to do with how much money you have. And let me just dispel something right now. Did you drive here? Is this your only set of clothes? Do you have running water? Do you have a toilet? Is there food in the fridge? Do you have any type of savings account? If you do, you are rich compared to the rest of the world. So now we're all we're talking about is, are we as rich as the other people in the rich category? It doesn't have anything to do with how much you've got. It has to do with the heart. You ever heard the story of the widow and her two mites? That's probably a lady with the gift of giving, isn't it? And God makes her a story and an illustration. So giving, number six out of seven, leading, the gift of leading. It says in verse eight, leading with diligence. Again, he gives a different word, leading with diligence. Leading is by example and vision. Leading is by example, you gotta have the character You got to lead by example. That's number one. And then have vision to say, okay, here's where we're going and here's how we're going to get it done. So leading by example and by vision, that's what a leader does. Now he says, be diligent because you got to stay at it when you're a leader. Staying at it as a leader is being diligent. means let's keep at it. Let's persevere. Let's keep going forward. Here's the deal. The highs are higher as a leader and the lows are lower than you imagine. A lot of times everybody wants to be a leader. Let me tell you what, there's some high highs on being a leader, but there's some low lows on being a leader. And if you're a leader and you're in the trough, you're in the low right now, let me tell you what God's doing. God is working on your heart because he wants to do something in you to do something greater through you. And you only learn it in the trough, in the dip. And that place, that dip is where you learn it so that you can be able to, when you get back to the high point, you don't get cocky. You go, oh man, I've been high. I've been low. I've been a lot of in between, but I'm going to be a leader with diligence and we're going to keep at it and we're going to go for it. So that's what it means to lead with diligence. Number seven, showing mercy, showing mercy. So he says, lead with diligence, give with generosity, showing mercy with cheerfulness, with cheerfulness. Showing mercy is you hurt and I care. Showing mercy is you hurt and I care. And those of you with a mercy gift, man, God bless you. We need you so greatly. We have mercy gifts with our Stevens ministers. We have mercy gifts and in particular with our pastoral care. If you haven't had this, it'll happen in your life at some point. And if somebody you love, when you see those hospice nurses, you'll see a mercy gift. Now, mercy gift folks, When they hurt, you care. Now, here's what you got to be careful of. Be careful of internalizing the pain. You have to stay cheerful. Because nobody wants you walking up to your bed, to their bedside going, you still sick? (laughs) They want you walking up going, hey man, how are you? You okay? How are things going? What can I do for you? How can I help you? 
A mercy gift, stay cheerful in that mercy gift. Mercy gifts are sweet, amazing gifts, but mercy gifted people can internalize the pain. Let me just tell you, their problems are not your problems. And so you gotta be able to have a, a degree of separation. Don't hear me like shoving people out at all, but to be able to walk through those gifts of mercy without just getting pulled into the whole thing, mercy gifts. Now, that's an amazing thing. That's an amazing gift. So let me ask you this. As we've gone through this list, which one fired up your heart? Which one were you like, I think that's me. I want you as an action point, I want you to circle. I wrote it down as action point. Circle for your knowledge right there. Circle which gifts you think are your gifts. Which one do you think are, are the ones that you've got there? Let that be. Now, if you're like, I'm not sure, well, that's okay, just take a guess. Let me show you though, we also have a QR code at the bottom of your listening guide that if you hit that with your phone or you text volunteer to 44322, then we'll send you to a place on our website. And here's what the place in the website, it'll look just like this. I'm gonna pull it up for you. It's gonna show you uh, what needs are happening at the church at all different campuses. So you'll be able to click along and see whatever campus it is and to find out the needs that are happening at that campus. What are the volunteer opportunities? So when you are understanding your giftedness, well, now how can I put this to use? Are you using your giftedness? What's happening with your giftedness? Is it being put to use? Well, if you don't know what your giftedness is, well, that's totally cool as well, because further down, we'll scroll down a little bit, you'll get to a place where you can click and you can take a spiritual gifts test, and I promise you, you're gonna know all the answers because it's about you, okay? And so you'll take a spiritual gifts assessment test and it'll tell you what your spiritual gifts are so that then you could put them into use. It's a great and awesome, wonderful thing. Now, let me tell you this. We just went through seven gifts and you've got one of those seven gifts in your life. But guess what? All of us as Christians should do every single one of them, okay? You don't have the gift of giving. Well, I don't have to give. No, everybody's giving. It says in Ephesians 4, 28, that all Christians should share, same Greek word as, as uh, chapter 12 of Romans, with him who has need. Well, I don't have a mercy gift, so I don't have to be mercy. They just need to get over it. No, it says in Luke chapter 6, be merciful as your father is merciful. Well, I'm not an encourager. Well, that's too bad because Hebrews chapter 3 says that all Christians are to exhort and encourage one another day after day. Well, I don't really like to serve. Well, that's too bad because Galatians chapter five says that we should all serve one another in love. So every one of those things is a Christian thing. It's just there's some aspects of it you're gonna be more gifted. It's gonna come more natural. It's gonna feel, feel easy and you're gonna be like, you mean everybody's not good at this? You mean everybody doesn't wanna do this? I love doing this, this is great. People ask me, what's your favorite part of being a pastor? Here's what I tell them, point two of the message. Why point two? Because we're in it. Our Bibles are open, our notes are being taken, and none of y'all are doing what you're doing right now thinking, when's lunch, all right? It didn't happen on point two. We're gonna land the plane in just a bit, but to be able to be in that moment, that teaching moment, that teaching gift, this is my sweet spot, I love it, it's great, it's a blessing, but does that mean that I shouldn't serve? Absolutely not. I have a leadership gift, and oftentimes people with leadership gifts don't have the gift of mercy, okay? But does that mean you shouldn't be merciful? No. There are things you do because you're gifted and things you do because you're a Christian, okay? You do them because you're a Christian. I don't do it because I'm a pastor. I do it because I'm a Christian. And God's called all of us to all of these things, but there's aspects that are more, uh, that, are, that, that are spiritual giftedness. Let's move on. Realize your opportunities. Gifts are meant to be given. So let's use them. 
Let's use them. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, you were created in Christ for good works appointed uh, beforehand that you should walk in them. So let's use our gifts. My wife's grandmother, she's in heaven now, but she, ladies, y'all would have loved her house. She had china and teacups everywhere. You'd look, beautiful things she had acquired over all those years. And so she lived 103, if you can believe that. She's a strong, amazing lady. And so she had these dishes, uh, these china dishes that were there. And she never put them to use because they were too special. She didn't want them to get broken. The weight of the dishes broke the bottom two plates from sitting there that long. So we decided in our home, we're going to put our dishes, our china to use. We're going to break it using it, right? We're not going to break it storing it. We're going to break it using it. So a little action point this week, pull out your china, have a meal on your china. If you break one, that's fine. Because here's the deal. If you put your gifts to use, you're going to get chipped. You might get broken. You may get really, really hurt. But you stay with it and you let God use you. I want my gifts to be used. I want to get the chips and the cracks and the breaks by using them because we won't always do it right, but by using it to the kingdom of God. That's what we want. And many of us are storing our gifts in the shelf, waiting for a more opportune time. There's not a more opportune time. Put it to use. We need you now. We need the transmission rolling. We need it being able to go in that way. Last point, God uses people to meet our needs too. God uses people to meet our needs too. We've got to learn to receive. We've been talking the whole time about learning to give and use our gifts, but now I want to talk to you about learning to receive for just a moment. You're going to receive someone else's gift, and that's going to be a blessing to you. And that doesn't mean you need to respond in kind the same way. I'll give you an example. Hopefully, you are blessed by my gift of teaching. Hopefully, it's helpful to you. I don't want you to preach a sermon to me. I'll listen. I'm not saying I don't. That's those with gift teaching. I'm under teaching all the time. That's great. But here's what I bet would happen. If somebody in my family got really, really sick, I bet we could line up meals for years. And I wouldn't need anybody to come with a gift of teaching. I need somebody to come with a gift of service and a gift of mercy and to care. And I wouldn't expect you to bring me a sermon because I brought you a sermon but I'd have to receive what you're bringing me in your giftedness. Now, that's how the body of Christ works together. Do you see it? And too many times we're like, oh, they baked us a pie. We got to go bake them a pie. Oh, they gave us this. We got to go give them that. Oh, they bought us a Christmas bread. We didn't know that they were going to buy us a Christmas bread. Everybody go to the store. We got to go buy them a Christmas bread. We just got to let it be an ebb and a flow of your gifts and their gifts. And then the hand doesn't say to the eye, I have no, to, no need of you. And they work together and it all connects and it all connects together. Look where your opportunity meets your gifting and then jump in at that place. So we got off of I-10 and we pull into the truck stop. As we pull into the truck stop, I realized we're not going any further and we're about an hour and a half away from home. But I knew some church members of ours, they had gone uh, to the hill country. So I got on the phone and I called them. I said, hey, when are y'all coming back? And they said, we're coming back about two hours. I said, well, would you mind stopping at this truck stop to pick us up? And they said, we wouldn't mind a bit. We'd love to pick you up. That's no problem at all. We'll pick you right up. And so they come, they're coming by in about two hours. So I'm walking around the truck stop for like an hour. So... 
What kind of CB do you have? Um, okay. And so we got all these CB stuff happening, all these things happening. It was great. And so uh, we walked through Trek Stop till finally we get hungry. So we can go 30 miles an hour. So we drive across the I-10 to this place, a little hamburger place. We go in to eat some dinner because we're waiting on our friends. We didn't know that our friends that were coming, gift of service, they had packed everything that was in the back uh, cab of the truck, all made a stop at Home Depot, putting all the stuff into trash bags to take everything in the back of the truck into the bed of the truck so we could fit in the back of the uh, cab part of the truck and everything would be great. Active service already happened. We didn't know that was happening. So here we come through and we pull into this hamburger place and across the street from the hamburger place, there's First Baptist Church of this little bitty town. I'm like, I wonder if I know that guy. So I look on the website and on the website, there's his name. I don't know him, but there's his cell phone. And I want you to know, my cell phone is not on our website. I just want you to know, all right? <laughs> It's a gift of leading, not a gift of mercy, right? It's not, it's not on the website. So I text this guy and we get on the phone together and he was at a meeting at the church, older gentleman. And I said, sir, my name is Greg Mott. I'm the pastor at Houston's First Baptist Church. Oh, we've heard of your church. We love your church. I said, yes, sir. I don't think we've ever met before. No, sir, we haven't met before. We have a great conversation. I said, I got a problem. I'm stuck in your town. And I was wondering, could I leave my car at your church until the tow truck comes? Gift of service and encouragement because, oh yeah, Lord's gonna provide for you, son. You don't worry about a thing. Anything you need, we got, you know, I mean, he's basically gonna let us sleep at his house for a month if we wanted to, <laughs> right? Kind, kind-hearted man, wonderful, wonderful shepherd. He says, you pull up and I want you to park in visitor parking and I want you to park right under that light because it would just break my heart if your car got broken into while it was here at our church. And said, so now I want you to take your keys. I want you to slip it in the, in the mail slot there. And I'm going to tell my secretary that she's got to be ready. When that tow truck guy comes, those keys are going to be sitting right there. And you just let me know uh, when, when they're coming. You just tell us and then we'll be ready to go. So here we come. We get that. We get in our friend's car. We're packed in the back of the cab of the truck. All their stuff's in the back of the cab of the truck. And we're heading back down I-10, cruising along. Everything's great. So we get here. We never saw our car again because we traded it in and the dealership, the, uh, the corporation actually gave us extra money because the transmission shouldn't have gone out. We traded it in, we got a whole new car, which is an amazing story, it's great. We paid for it, it wasn't, like it, was a, it wasn't that much of a gift of giving, so and we had to pay for it. And so we got it, which was great. And so we got this new car and I was thinking the other day, I never saw the other car. Look at all these gifts that happened and I started thinking to myself, you know what, I've never seen the engine of this new car. And when we bought it, I didn't open up the hood. I looked at the radio and checked out the Bluetooth, but I've never seen the engine of the car. To this day, I've never seen the engine of that car. We've owned it for months. But it gets us down the road. And isn't that an illustration of spiritual giftedness, unseen but functioning, to take the kingdom of God a little further down the road? That's what it's about. And we need you, Mr. Transmission. We need you, Ms. Transmission. We need you to walk in your giftedness. Sermon in a sentence, closing illustration, we're done. Sermon in a sentence, discover your gifts, realize your opportunities, and be available. Discover your gifts, realize your opportunities, and be available. Isaiah said, here I am, Lord, send me. Give you a closing illustration. Has to do with the school I went to, so here's what we're gonna do. We gotta lay down some rules. I'm gonna give you one whoop, okay, church? One, for those Aggies, you get one whoop and then we're focused on the Lord, okay? Because I know it's just gonna bother you the whole time, okay? So here's your one whoop opportunity. Da na 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 Okay, now, it's out of your system. No more whooping. Here we go, no hissing either. I know that one as well. All right, there was a guy named E. King Gill. 
He was the 12th man. This is what it's named over. Let me show you his picture. This is E. King Gill, 1922. The Aggies are playing in what's called the Dixie Classic. It's a bowl game, and we're playing against the Center College, number one team in the nation at the time in football, the Center College Praying praying Colonels. Praying Colonels. Our coach's name, Dana Bible. We're playing against the Praying Colonels. There's got to be something spiritual in this thing happening. E. King Gill comes out of the press box. He's a basketball player. They've had so many injuries the second half. He stands on the sidelines of the game for the entire game, dressed in a football uniform, ready to go in as the 12th man to go in at any time. Therefore, in 1939, it began a tradition that Aggies stood the entire game. I'll show you a picture there. Stand the entire game in readiness, availability to go in for the team. What if the kingdom of God had thousands of people standing in readiness to go in? Let me tell you what, it's an awesome tradition until the third quarter in August, and then it stinks, okay? It's a terrible tradition at that point. But then there's a 12th man that runs out on the field with a number 12, and everybody goes crazy and goes nuts for him. E. King Gill said this. This was a quote that he wrote down, which is so good. I wish I could say that I went in and ran for the winning touchdown, but I did not. I simply stood by in case my team needed me. Do you hear availability? So you just get ready for God to use you. And you realize, don't be cocky, you just get to be a part of his work. And then let what he's put in you come out and your giftedness to soar. And I'm telling you this, it will be the greatest blessing in your life to be used by God and to see Jesus use you. Be better than any money you could ever make, any awards you could ever win. You will fulfill your God-given purpose to the glory of Jesus Christ and change people's lives. That is why Paul is teaching us this. And we need the whole car. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord. You're so good you saved us. And you're so good you've given us, gifted us. So we come, Lord, in this time give you our worship, to give you our praise, to respond now in this moment. Yes, Lord. Would you just pray and ask God to affirm, reveal, show how he's gifted you? Do you know Christ is your savior? That's where it all begins. And then he can gift you with his Holy Spirit and then a gift to use for his glory. I know my gift of teaching and encouragement is added 10 minutes to my message but I hope you receive it as a call to life so as we worship just ask that you'd be still and remain right here don't be distracting to anybody responding do your work Lord through all the earth in Jesus name Amen Thank you for listening to the teaching ministry of Houston's First Baptist Church We invite you to worship with us at one of our four locations, at The Loop, Cypress, Downtown, or Siena. Follow us on social media or visit us online at houstonsfirst.org.